I want to talk to you about seeing the ability and seeing the power of God in such a way that it allows you to say, God, I'm all in for everything that you have in store for me. Because God, I know that with you, nothing is impossible. Amen? Amen. So in, as we begin this as we begin this Daniel fast, let me share with you a thought from Daniel's story. In Daniel chapter 6, we read, we read the, 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 this, 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 following, this following question. And it's given by a pagan king. And it says this in verse 19 of Daniel chapter 6. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. And he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? God, I thank you for your word. I do pray that you'd make it a lamp to our feet, a light into our path. God, help us to hide your word in our hearts today that we might not sin against you. It's fascinating to me that this... This Persian king, this king that seemingly has no relationship with the God of Israel, and he cries out, Daniel, has the God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? It's a story that if you've been in church at, at, for any period of time, it's a story that you've heard over and over again. It's a story that if you've been to children's church, if you've been to vacation Bible school, you're familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's den. The, the king is tricked into giving a decree that says that anyone who prays to anyone other than him, that they are to be put to death, that they are to be thrown into the lion's den. It, it's, it's a way by, by those who are envious of Daniel's favor, of, of Daniel's position in influence and, and anointing, it's a way for them to try to bring about the destruction of Daniel because they know this. They know that he's faithful in his connection with the Most High God. They know that he's faithful in service to him. And so Daniel does, when the decree is given that if, if anyone prays to anyone other than the king that they'll be put to death, Daniel prays to his God as he always has been, as he's always done. And the king, even though he values Daniel, even though he, he loves Daniel, even though he recognizes that Daniel is a, a man of character and an integrity, because he has given this decree, and he's given this decree according to the Medes and according to the Persians, then he has to follow through with that decree. And so, even though it breaks the heart of Darius, he has to sentence Daniel seemingly to death. And so Daniel is placed in this den of hungry lions. And listen, we know that the lions are incredibly hungry because immediately after Daniel is delivered, it tells us this. The king was overjoyed and, and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the lion's den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they even reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Now here's the part of the story that we don't normally hear about in Sunday school. Listen, listen to the statement that this foreign king, okay, 
This king that has Jerusalem as an occupied territory, this king that actually has Daniel and so many of his contemporaries that he has them living in captivity in a foreign land. Listen to this statement that this king makes. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Friend, that, that God would use Daniel going into the lion's den to have a foreign king make such a decree, I believe, is powerful. It goes, it goes deeper than this. The first sermon series that I preached as the pastor of this church, I preached a sermon series entitled Rebuild. It's a story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I love the story of Nehemiah. That Nehemiah goes back to restore the identity of a nation and that nation's connection with a true and living God, to bring them back to a place of strength, to bring them back to a place of security, to bring them back to a place of abundance. It's, it's the expression of what God does over and over and over again with his children. It's the promise that God makes to you, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what difficulties or challenges come your way, that our God is always a God that renews. He's always a God that restores. He's always a God that blesses. He's always a God that prospers. If you look over and over and God's, God does this, and God made this promise, no matter how far you turn from me, if you turn back to me, I will restore you and I will bless you. Because it's God's desire not to harm you, it's God's desire not to punish you. It's God's desire to prosper you and to position you for greatest good. And that's the story of Nehemiah. But friends, Nehemiah's story doesn't happen if Daniel doesn't go to the lion's den. Let me say this again. The restoration of Israel does not happen if Daniel doesn't go to the lion's den. The positioning of Israel for the Messiah to come doesn't happen if Daniel doesn't go to the lion's den. Jesus and all that Jesus accomplishes is set up by Daniel going to the lion's den. And right now you might find yourself facing the fiery furnace that the three Hebrew children face. You may feel like you're being confronted by a bunch of, uh, by a bunch of hungry lions, and in the midst of it, it's easy to say this, God, where are you? God, pastor talks about your promises, but right now, the heat is on in my life. God, pastor talks about your strength, but right now, it seems like I'm about to be eaten by a bunch of hungry lions. God, if you love me, how is it that I find myself in this position? Friends, you can be confident of this, that he will never leave you, that he'll never forsake you, that he has a good plan for you, and that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. One of my favorite stories in Jesus' earthly ministry is when Jesus calms the water, right? Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and a tempest, a storm kicks up so much so that these men that are seasoned fishermen, that they're used to being out on the sea and not just used to being out on the sea, they grew up on this lake. 
Okay? And it's not a, even though it's called the Sea of Galilee, it's not a massive body of water. At its widest point, it's seven miles wide. From, from, from top to bottom, it's only 13 miles long. The Sea of Galilee is no bigger than Lake Apopka. Okay? So I want you to imagine this. They're out on Lake Apopka, or if you're from the south side of Orlando, they're out on Lake Nona. So they can see the shore on both sides. They've grown up fishing this thing. They know it. They've, they've been out on this sea in storms before. But friend, this is a storm like no other storm. It freaks these seasoned fishermen out. Like they are panicked. And they, they, they wake up Jesus and they say, Jesus, do, do, don't you care that we're about to drown? The thing that I love about that story, the thing that I appreciate about that story is Jesus being very God of very God knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Jesus knew the storm was coming when they got in the boat. And it was Jesus that told them to get into the boat. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. It is quite possible that God will put you on a journey that's gonna put you right in the middle of the storm. Because it was God's divine plan, it was God's sovereign hand that led Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. And it was God's hand and God's sovereign plan that put Daniel into that lion's den. Why? Here's the reason why. Because of Israel's rebellion, because of Israel's rebellion, uh, we find this, that about about 90 years earlier, Jerusalem is conquered by this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, in, uh, in about, 586, in about uh, 586 BC. Okay? Uh, 50 years later, the, the, the Babylonians are conquered by the Persians. And in, in about 539, in about 539 BC. 538 BC, Daniel goes into the lion's den. Five thirty-six BC, so two years after Daniel goes into the lion's den, Cyrus issues a decree. So if you're reading in the scripture, you hear King Darius, you hear King Cyrus. What, what, what is that? So Cyrus is the king over all of Persia. Cyrus names this guy Darius as the king over the Babylonian region. Okay? So Darius is the guy who puts Daniel in the lion's den. Darius sees God deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He makes this powerful decree. Right? That decree that, decree that, I, that, that, I, that I read to you just a moment ago. Where he says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So it says this in the next verse. Uh, in, Dan in Daniel 6, 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. 
It doesn't just impact Darius, the king over Babylon. It influences Cyrus, the king of Persia, so much so that two years after Daniel goes into the lion's den and comes out unharmed, that Cyrus issues a decree and, the, and says that the people held in captivity in Babylon, that those people can return to Jerusalem and rebuild their home. Nehemiah, 50 years later, goes and rebuilds the walls. Nehemiah never goes back to Jerusalem if Daniel doesn't go into the lion's den. And friend, there are victories that God has in store for your family. There are victories that God has in store for your children. There are victories that God has in store for your grandchildren. There's victories that God has in store for your city. There are victories that God has in store for your nation that will not come to pass without you experiencing your lion's den. So when you find yourself going through difficulty, when you find yourself in peril, when you find yourself going through a tough time, I challenge you, don't question whether or not God has you. Because just as God was able to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out from the fire furnace unscorched, and he was able to bring Daniel out of the lion's den unharmed, God's going to carry you through. Amen. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. You may, you may take a fall from an incredible height. And people may think, man, falling that far... This, this guy, there's no way he can survive. Best case scenario, he's going to be paralyzed. And what God, what God says, he says, no, no. What I'm doing in you is I'm, I'm giving you a powerful testimony. I'm positioning you. And what the enemy thinks he's doing for evil, watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it for good. You may have a situation where, where an employee destroys your company takes millions of dollars from you. And God says, watch this. Watch what I'm going to do. See, the enemy thinks that somehow he's destroying an organization that flows kingdom resource. And, he, and he's going to destroy the people and, 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 and rob them of the joy as they recognize that they're blessed by God. But watch this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you from that company into a ministry opportunity that's going to take you around the world to share the reality of who Jesus is. See, this is, what, this is what God does over and over and over again. Through our story, he reveals his glory. And friends, his glory isn't revealed without the fiery furnace. His glory isn't revealed without the lion's den. And yes, we live in a world where there is challenge, where there is difficulty, where there is issue. And because of that, can I offer you this? We need God's power. We need God's power. I cannot imagine living in this season, I cannot imagine living at this time in history and not having an understanding of the power and the presence of God. In fact, let me say this. I don't want to be a part of a church. I don't want to be a part of this church. I don't want to be a part of any church that is not excited, engaged in, grabbing hold of, desiring, chasing after the power of God in a dramatic way. In fact, Jesus thought it so important that he said this to his disciples. He said, listen, I don't want you to do anything. After Jesus went to the cross, was in the grave, 
on the third day arose, when he appears before his followers as a resurrected Savior, and now they're excited to go tell his story, he goes, don't do that, wait. I know that you're anxious to talk about me as a resurrected Savior. I know that you're excited to talk about the wonder of a mighty God, but wait, wait. Don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. Wait, but know this, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, power. In our English, it, it, it doesn't do it justice, right? The Greek, and you will receive dunamas, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so God wants us to walk in his power and we need that power. But I'm telling you, the attacks of the enemy are very real. And I, I, I find myself, as I enter into year seven, I find myself much more vigilant. Maria, I want you to know this, that I'm, I'm, I'm much more committed to praying for our pastoral families than I think I was six years ago. Because I've learned, I've, unfortunately, I've learned some hard lessons about the way that the enemy works and how he, how, how, he, how he seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And it's real easy, especially when, you're, especially when, you're, when, when your life is in the church world and in the church context, it's real easy for you to go, oh, we've got this. And in fact, I will tell you that I have mistakenly preached that Satan is nothing more than a toothless lion. However, the reality is this, is Satan comes with some very real power. Let me say this, Satan comes with some very real power. If that were not the case, then it would not be necessary for Peter to make this declaration in 1 Peter 5, 8, where he says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If the enemy was not powerful, there'd be no reason to be vigilant. right? It tells us this. It tells us that we're involved in this struggle, right? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle, okay? And it's not like WWE wrestle, okay? That's not, you know, it's not, I, I could care less whether or not you could smell what the rock's cooking. I do know this. I do know that we're involved in a personal struggle, it's very real, it's very individual. And the Bible says this, that we wrestle, or, or some translations say that we struggle. Right? We're engaged, we're engaged in this fight. You know, George Bar Barnett in the National Survey stated this. The devil or Satan is not a living being, but, but is only a symbol of evil. Among those who claim to be born again, 32% agreed strongly, 11% agreed somewhat, and 5% said they didn't know. Here's what that means. Of, of the people who claim to be born-again Christians, 48% either agreed that Satan is only symbolic or didn't know. Listen to me. Satan is not symbolic. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. We have a great advocate. We also have a great adversary. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to attack your finance. Do you want to know the way to protect it? I'm not trying to get into your pocket. I'm just telling you. Do you want to know the way to protect your finance? Be obedient to God and stewardship. 
If you are not a tither, I'm telling you, in 2020, you need to become a tither. Let me tell you why, friend. Because what that does is that protects you from the curse. It doesn't just protect you from from the curse. It positions you for blessing. I had a single mom say to me last week, Pastor, I am blown away. I look at my giving statement, and I'm blown away by what God has let me give she said, it's the first time in a long time that I've, I have fully tithed. And she said, I'm actually, I'm not only paying my bills, I'm actually being able to pay down some of my debt because of, because of what God's doing, because of how God's blessing. And that's a single parent, it's a single mom raising two children. Good. Understand this, man, we don't, I'm not trying to get in your, I'm just telling you that that's what the enemy will do. Man, the, the enemy's gonna attack your marriage. The enemy's going to try to to cause the love that you have for your husband to ebb away. He's going to try to bring pornography into your home. He's going to try to create a distance between you and your children. He's going to try to put frustration in you and your job. He's going to try to convince you that you have to compromise in order to be successful in your field of endeavor. Because that's what the enemy does. Here's here's what it tells us. The Word of God says this, that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the one who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Yes, we face a very real adversary. Make no mistake. And the the big, (laughs) the big flaw is that for so many of us, We minimize who Satan is. 48% of evangelical Christians aren't even sure if Satan isn't just something that's symbolic. It tells us this. Paul says in Ephesians, also in other passages, he describes the ranks and the organization of the unseen supernatural evil forces. There are principalities, he says, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, there are spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. They inhabit the heavenly places. That, that is the invisible spiritual realm. They do not have run of the highest heaven where Christ is seated, but they do run roughshod over creation. Right? And it tells us this about Satan, that he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. See, these designations or, or, or these ranks that suggest that, that Lucifer, Satan, and his forces that they're organized. Now, Satan is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Only God is omnipotent. Satan is a being. He is not a God. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan can't be everywhere every time. Right? So, is Satan in this room today? Pretty good chance that Satan's not here this morning. I know you're sitting next to somebody and you might think they're Satan. They're not. It doesn't mean they're not demon-possessed or demon-influenced, but they're probably not Satan. But here's what Satan does has. He has this massive hierarchy. He has this massive army. And so even though Satan himself is probably not in this room today, because he can only be in one place at one time, in in huge contrast to God, who God is omnipresent, which means that God is able to be everywhere all the time. There is satanic influence in your life. 
because Satan's army is everywhere. And that's the reason why our eyes need to be opened beyond the natural into the supernatural. It's also the reason why, friend, we have to be vigilant. It's also the reason why we are to put on the full armor of God. It's also the reason why Jesus told his disciples, don't do anything. I don't want you engaging in ministry. I don't want you going out there until you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. So let me say this. As I bring this to a close this morning, but, but if, if I could, like I'd have up on the screen, I'd have, it, have that little title, you know, when you're watching television, it says, To Be Continued. We're going to pick this back up next Sunday, To Be Continued. But here's, here's what I want you to leave with this morning. That the power of God to be more than a conqueror is an absolute necessity for the believer. And God makes it available free of charge to anyone who desires it, anyone who asks, anyone who's willing to receive. And you do not have to be worried about what Satan is doing. God's word tells us this, that we are to be anxious about nothing. God has not given you a spirit of timidity. God has not given you a spirit of fear, his word says. But what he's given you instead, which is much greater than that spirit of timidity, that spirit of fear, God has given you, he makes available to you a spirit of power. Now, here's an observation. Most of us as Christ's followers do not walk in, we do not live in that power. And so what happens is this, the enemy recognizing that we don't walk in, that we don't live in that power, the enemy comes in and brings his influences into our life in such a way that it sidelines us from kingdom effectiveness and it robs us of the blessing that God has in store for us. So how do we then counteract that and walk in the victory that God has for us and walk in the blessing that God has for us? Friend, it all comes down to this issue of power. Power, power, power. So if you have never received the indwelling, the infilling, what some call the baptism in the Holy Spirit, as you start a new year, as you start a new decade, today is the day for you to say, God, I want, I want what, what your children with 120 in the upper room, what they experienced on the day of Pentecost, that same power that you gave to them, that same power that you promised to everybody, in fact... Peter preached on that day and he said, this thing that is experiencing, this isn't just for us, it's for everybody. And not just 120 people in the upper room were impacted. It says that 3,000 were added to their, their number from the crowd around them. And God intends for that power to not just be for the 120 or the 3,000. What was happening on the day of Pentecost was actually prophesied centuries earlier by this prophet Joel that said that that power is for everybody. Your children, your children's children, for as many as the Lord our God shall call. What that means is this. It means that power, that same power that descended on Pentecost, that that power is available for you today. And friend, you want that power. You want that power because God has victory for you. You also want that power because, quite honestly, the enemy is very real and, and the enemy is not nearly as powerful as God, but he does come with some power. He comes with some strength. 
Now, for a lot of us, we've received that power. And at one point, we were fully engaged in that. And man, we were seeing victory. We were seeing breakthrough. In fact, spiritual gifts were in operation in, in, in our life. Man, we are praying for people and miracles were happening. We find ourselves in a conversation and know that God had just given us a message for somebody, right? God had given us a prophetic word. But it's been a while. In fact, it's been too long. And if we were to be honest, while we experienced the power of God back in the day, some of us, it's been so long, we've even forgotten what it's like. And we talk about with, with a little bit of longing and a, man, a, a lot of just a lot of just heartfelt remembrance. We, we remember those days when, when God was moving in our life in a big way. We talk about them lovingly and longingly. But if we're not careful, all it is is talk. Well, I'm convinced that God brought you here today, specifically you, that God brought you here today not to hear a message, but to hear a prophetic word from God for you. And here's God's message for you. It is time for you to connect for the first time, or it's time for you to connect for the first time in a long time with the power of God. Because if you were to survey this room, you know what you're going to find? There are very few of us that haven't faced our own fiery furnace. And there are very few of us who haven't been confronted with our own lions. It's, it's the reality of life. It's the reality of world, world. It's the reality of the fact that there is this spiritual battle that's that's taking place. And it's a battle for your soul, the souls of your children, the souls of your, of your grandchildren, the souls of your neighbors, the souls of your coworkers. And so we'll face it. And without the power of God in our life, it's easy when we face that difficulty to question God, even to get angry with God. But can I offer you this? when we're in tune with the Spirit of God, when, we, when, we're, when we're walking in the anointing of God, our posture when we face the lion's den would be the same thing as Daniel. Daniel did not push back from going into the lion's den. Daniel didn't freak out over the lions. Friends, Daniel wouldn't have to be thrown in the, in, in the lion's den. Daniel's comfortable with walking into the lion's den because here's what he knows. He knows that God has a plan for him. And if the lion's den is supposed to be the end of the journey, God's going to use that story. Because all things, all things, all things work together for good. But Daniel having this great confidence 
though the last chapter of his story had not yet been written, Daniel has no problem stepping into that lion's den, following the pattern of his good friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who willingly went into a fiery furnace, right? And here's what they say. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, go ahead and throw us in the fiery furnace. Because our God will deliver us. And by the way, if he doesn't, we're walking in anyway. Because we have that kind of confidence in the power of God. And we have that kind of assurance in peace in the plan of God. So yes, you will face your fiery furnace. Yes, you will face your lion's den. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he will take you and bring you through unscorched and unharmed. But a key essential is that walking and living in the power of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.